Five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday, Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
in the AM. Shlomo Simcha with Orech Yamim. <clears throat> you heard Mehera done by uh, Soul Farm. Shlomo Kalbach's Rav Ravin. The Erev Shabbos Nigun by Joey Newcomb, who is performing tomorrow night at the New Springville Jewish Center on Staten Island. Check it out. If you're anywhere near the area, make sure to head on over to the uh, New Springville Jewish Center on Staten Island. Macha Bracha, that was Shmuley Unger. Benny Friedman, brand new with Tashiru. Regesh Modani opening things up. And we say good morning. It's Friday on this November the 22nd. Happy birthday, Onina Siegel. 24th day in the month of Marcheshvan. The year 5780. Tufshin 
pay. It's Erev Shabbos Parshas Chaye Sarah with a big hello to those who are heading to the holy city of Hebron. Candle lighting here in New York at 413. Wow, 413. Well, Ben Rosh Chodesh Kislev, Rosh Chodesh will be Thursday and Friday. Thanksgiving and the day after Thanksgiving is when Rosh Chodesh is observed for Rosh Chodesh Kislev now. Can you imagine? <laughs> it's a Thursday and Friday. Thanksgiving and uh, Friday of Thanksgiving will be Rosh Chodesh. 48 degrees, 70% humidity, winds of south at 8 miles per hour. Rain today with a high of 56, then tonight. Clear in a low 36. Tomorrow, mostly sunny, a high 50 degrees. 67 in Yerushalayim. We're at 48 here in New York City. As we say good morning at JM and the AM. Malcolm Holmline, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, coming up 7.40 Eastern Time with the weekly update. Rabbi Yudin, of course, at 8.15 with Parshas Chaye Sarah. And we go all the way until 9 a.m. And then, of course, amazing programming all day long. You want to make sure to keep it all day long here at uh, the Nahum Siegel Network. Literally, all day long. And if you do, you'll be treated to some amazing programming, including the Arab Shabbos show at 10 o'clock after Naomi Nachman's uh, table for two. Oh, Naomi has a great show today. Daniela Silver, artist and, uh, excuse me, author Daniela Silver, artist and fashion consultant Elizabeth Sutton, and Moshe Block, co-founder of Meshuga for Sushi, uh, are all going to be Naomi's guests today. So a lot of interesting uh, people with some, uh, representing some uh, great, um, some great proprietorships will be joining uh, Naomi between 9 and 10 this morning here at the Nahum Siegel Network. Avramel's next at JM in the AM.
Aiden in the land of holy stones lies the hopes and dreams of many Jews. It's the city of Lebron. There are people who are living there with a courage all their own. And they know that we stand behind them, but they are not alone. The flame must never go out. The flame must never die. The throne is ours now and forever. I'm Israel Chai. And while we long for the day when we will return from the corners of the earth, shall heaven's flame must burn. When Abraham bought the cave, paid 400 shekel coins, he knew this was where the physical and spiritual world enjoined. Every day you're standing strong against dangers that are unknown. We realize you're representing us by living in Hebron. The flame must never go never die. The throne is ours now and forever. I'm Israel Chai. And while we long for the day when we will return from the corners of the earth, shall heaven's flame must burn. We've seen you through some painful times. And others might lie ahead, but the soul will last forever. Shall heaven's flame will never end.
Let 
J.M. in the A.M. With Yaakov Shweki and Shlomi Shabbat together on Ain Od Milvado. What a song, huh? That is a good one, I must say. Friday morning broadcast, J.M. in the A.M. Bo before that with Danny Palgon. You heard Deddy with Chevron. Today is, of course, Erev Shabbat Chaye Sarah. I just heard from listener Joe, who's on his way from Jerusalem to Chevron. I'm, of course, jealous of those who are spending uh, Chaye Sarah in Chevron. Uh, Lenny Solomon with The Flame, listener Devorah reminded us about that song. It was done in memory of Shalhevet Pas, who was murdered in Chevron by the enemy. You may recall the little baby many, many years ago at this point. Avram Fried with Reb Mendel's Nigun, starting us off in that set here at JMM. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos Parshas Chayesara, candle lighting at 4.13 in New York. 4.13, make sure you know when things start where you are, because after all, things are getting a little... Uh, a little early these days. Well, not getting. They are, in fact, uh, pretty early since we uh, changed the clock. Candlelighting 413. We'll bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. Rosh Chodesh Kislev will be Thursday and Friday. Ironically, uh, Thanksgiving and the day after Thanksgiving for those who are in the United States and observing Thanksgiving next week. 48 degrees uh, outside. Rain today with a high of 56 and clear tonight, low 36. And tomorrow, mostly sunny with a high. Of 50 degrees. A lots of lots of news to talk about. A lot of things going on, to say the least. Oh, there we go. A lot of things going on, and uh, we'll discuss the news during the weekly update. Weekly update is coming up with Malcolm Honeline at 7.40 Eastern Time this morning here at JM&AM. I'm sure that anybody who's uh, following the news is aware of the indictments. I'm sure uh, those of you who are following the news are aware of the anti-Semitic incidents in this country, at least the ones that are getting publicity. I'm sure uh, those of you who are following the news uh, see what's happening in Iran and see what's happening with uh, with Gaza and significantly have seen what happened this week with President Trump and uh, Secretary Pompeo and their statements, or I should say his statement, uh, regarding the settlements, quote-unquote, in the West Bank, as it's called. Uh, we'll discuss all of that with Malcolm Holmline coming up. He's Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of major American Jewish organizations. We'll have that for you here on a Friday morning Erev Shabbos at JM in the AM. Galitzah in the background. We'll do our news from Israel coming up. And uh, then move into hour number two of our broadcast. I remind you that Dr. Mayer Abitan, an old friend and an amazing heart surgeon, Dr. Mayer Abitan visits JM in the AM live in studio this coming Tuesday. He, uh, he informed me a couple of days ago that he is doing many less heart surgeries than he used to, and it's not because he's slowing down. It's because there is a new approach to those who are uh, suffering from heart disease uh, or, or, or for those who are familiar with the difficulties that uh, their heart is having on a daily basis. So he is going to be in studio for what I believe is going to be an important medical conversation uh, about fitness and about the uh, the new approach, so to speak, that's being taken regarding um, uh, surgery or non-surgical procedures 
and heart disease. Dr. Mayor Abitan in our studio this coming Tuesday right here at JM in the AM. It's America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio around the world, the web at NahumSiegel.com, on the NahumSiegel Network, and of course on the beloved NSNF. Galitzal in the background, Galitzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for a Friday follows next. We say Boker Tov from JM in the AM. מפלגת כחול לבן פנתה ליועץ המשפטי לממשלה בדרישה שיורה לנתניהו להתפטר מכל תפקידיו כשר. נתניהו מכהן כשר במשרד הבריאות, במשרד הרווחה, במשרד החקלאות ובמשרד התפוצות. כתבנו מיכאל האוזר טוב מוסר כי ההלכה המשפטית מחייבת שר שהוגש נגדו כתב אישום להתפטר מתפקידו, אך זו אינה חלה על תפקיד ראש הממשלה. ובעקבות הגשת כתב האישום נגד נתניהו, קורא שר התחבורה סמוטריץ' לציבור לצאת לרחובות ולמחות נגד מערכת המשפט. בציוץ בטוויטר כתב סמוטריץ', אם העם בישראל לא יצא לרחובות ולא ייתן את הכוח הפוליטי למי שיתחייב למנוע את המשבר החוקתי הזה, הוא יתעורר מהר מאוד לדיקטטורה משפטית דורסנית, אלימה ומסוכנת. כך השר סמוטריץ'. באופן חריג לא צפויות להתקיים היום הפגנות אלימות בגבול עזה. זה השבוע השני ברציפות. בשנה וחצי האחרונה נערכו בכל יום שישי הפרות סדר אלימות בגבול. כתבנו לענייני צבא, צחי דבוש מוסר כי בסוף השבוע שעבר לא נערכו הפגנות, אך נורו שתי רקטות לעבר באר שבע. 29 כלי נשק ועשרות אמצעי לחימה נוספים נאספו במסגרת מבצע המשטרה לאיסוף נשק. בין כלי הנשק שנאספו עשרות רימונים, חומרי נפץ, מחסניות וכדורים. לא ידוע כמה מאמצעי הלחימה נאספו מן המגזר הערבי. האיסוף יימשך עד ליום חמישי הבא. כתבנו דורון קדוש מוסר כי במבצע הקודם, לפני כשנתיים, נאספו רק שלושה כלי נשק. בעזה מת הבוקר אחד מפצועי תקיפת חיל האוויר על בית משפחת סווארקה בדיר אל-בלח, מוחמד סלאמה סווארקה, בן 40. הוא נפצע באורח אנוש לפני שמונה ימים. כתבנו ג'קי חוגי מוסיף כי מבני המשפחה נהרגו תשעה אנשים ושנים עשר נפצעו. ונבחרת ישראל בכדורגל תשחק נגד נבחרת סקוטלנד. כך נקבע, נקבע בהגרלת חצי הגמר של שלב ההצלבה, הפלייאוף, על העלייה ליורו. המשחק אמור להיערך ב-26 במרס בגלסגו שבסקוטלנד. כתבנו אורן פדידה מוסר כי אם הנבחרת תנצח, היא תפגוש במשחק על ההעפלה ליורו את המנצחת במשחק שייערך בין סרביה לנורבגיה. מזג האוויר היום ללא שינוי ניכר בטמפרטורות, מחר תהיה התקררות קלה. ואלה זמני כניסת השבת, פרשת חיי שרה. בירושלים, ארבע ודקה אחת, בתל אביב, ארבע ושש עשרה דקות, בחיפה, בארבע וחמש דקות, ובבאר שבע תיכנס השבת בארבע ועשרים. לכל מאזינינו, שבת שלום. אלה החדשות שעורך אילנה אהרונוף.
אדם קטן והעולם גדול, לכל אחד יש את דרכו. אחד רוצה מהתחר הכל, אשרי שומח בחלקו. מי שזכה קיבל במתנה את האוצר הכי יקר. ניצוץ אחד קטן של אמונה, והוא מאיר איתו את העולם. אם טוב יעבור מאדם לאדם, ישירו ביחד כולם. אוי אמון, הרי מי מקבל, עליי מצוות עשה, ואהבת לרעך כמוך, זה כלל גדול בתורה. הרי מי מקבל, עליי מצוות עשה, ואהבת לרעך כמוך, זה כלל גדול בתורה. כאן אלת הקיים בהבנה, חייך תמיד לעולם. אל תבקש דבר בחזרה, כן זוהי אהבת חינם. אם טוב יעבור מאדם לאדם, ישירו ביחד כולם. אוי אמון, הרי מי מקבל, עליי מצוות עשה, ואהבת לרעך כמוך, זה כלל גדול בתורה. הרי מי מקבל, עליי מצוות עשה, ואהבת לרעך כמוך, זה כלל גדול בתורה.
patience for complaining To stop and fetch about all the bills I have to pay Cause even when there should be sunshine but it's raining My feet will dance me to the crets my anyway So my The blessings they're coming but you keep on running just
Hey, brother. 
JM and the AM. Shira Chadasha Boys Choir on this Erev Shabbos Parshas Chaye Saro with a big hello to those who are in the holy city of Hebron or on their way there. Just spoke to someone a minute ago who's on his way with his family to the holy city of Hebron for Shabbat. It's Shabbat Chaye Saran. It's amazing there. If your kids are there for uh, for Shabbos, ask them about it after Shabbos. Get details. Listen to the excitement in their voices as they tell you about the uh, incredible Shabbat in Hebron. Simcha Liner, brand new with Harbei Nachat, Baruch Levine, Had Shalom Rav, Harasha, and Hareini, brand new off of Benny Friedman's new album. If you missed any of the conversation with Benny earlier in the week, we have a uh, an amazing thing called a Nachum Single Network Facebook page. If you go to Nachum Single Network Facebook page, uh, you will see the video from earlier in the week. You can check out uh, what it was like when uh, Benny Friedman visited us here at JM in the AM. We had a wonderful experience with him. And again, you can check that out um, online at NahumSiegel.com in audio form and, of course, uh, as I said, in video form uh, by checking out Facebook.com slash NahumSiegel Network, Facebook.com slash NahumSiegel Network. Friday morning, candle lighting at 413 in New York. Thanks for joining us, everybody, and for tuning in. Community Calendar has some events out there that I'd like to tell you about. Uh, first of all, on the um, on the first slot in our community calendar online, it's uh, Joey Newcomb. Joey Newcomb is going to be visiting the New Springville Jewish Center on Staten Island tomorrow night. I hope you'll have an opportunity to uh, to go, stop by, and enjoy. Uh, Joey Newcomb at the uh, New Springville Jewish Center tomorrow night, 120 Saxon Avenue in uh, Staten Island. Starts at 8 p.m. Contact the uh, New Springville Jewish Center for information. Tomorrow night, the Talmud Torah of Flatbush, 1305 Coney Island Avenue. The Rav and the Rebbe, Brisk Meets Chabad, or by Dr. J- Jacob J. Schachter, will present. 8.15 tomorrow night, Talmud Torah of Flatbush. Ohel's dinner is Sunday night. Look forward to seeing everybody there at the 50th Annual Gala at the New York Marriott Marquis. Young Israel of Woodmere has the Help Save Our Mom and Grandma event. They are doing swabbing for a kidney transplant. Uh, try to be at the Youngest of Woodmere between 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. to be swabbed. The OU Community Fair is Sunday, New York City Metropolitan Pavilion. You'll have an opportunity to uh, to check out 57 North American communities and six Israeli communities. Go to ou.org slash fair, ou.org slash fair. They've got a... Um, an array, I mean, we're talking about a real serious array <laughs> of communities that will be represented at the community fair this Sunday. So check it out and enjoy. Congratulations going out to the Yeshiva University Maccabees. The men's basketball team won last night. That's four in a row. They beat Brooklyn College. They take on uh, Mount St. Vincent tomorrow night up in uh, Riverdale. We wish them the best of luck as uh, they continue their uh, Great early season in the Skyline Conference. Uh, Joey Newcomb, we mentioned. He'll be at the New Springville Jewish Center tomorrow night with the Joey Newcomb Band. That's uh, in Staten Island, 120 Saxon Avenue. Make sure to stop by. Uh, OU Community Fair again, 12 noon until 6 p.m. at the Metropolitan Pavilion this coming Sunday in New York, 125 West 18th Street. 63 communities from the United States and from Israel 
will be participating. Go to ou.org slash fair, ou.org slash fair for information. ou.org slash fair. Uh, Modi, who I saw earlier in the week, <laughs> I keep quoting his line <laughs> when he walked into some of the shtibbles here on the Lower East Side of Manhattan. <laughs> As he told us on the air, he said, boy, I love what you guys didn't do with the place. Or I, like, I love what you guys haven't done with the place. That was it. I love what you guys haven't done with the place. I've been quoting that all over. I let them know. Anyway, Modi is at the Atid Society event this coming Sunday in Livingston, New Jersey. Dinner at 6, performance at 7.30 at the Kushner School 110 South Orange Avenue in Livingston. The chair people of the event, of course, about Sheva and Murray Halper. We wish them the very best with Sunday night's event. And, um, yeah, it's a... Uh, It's a um, a funny act with Modi and a wonderful cause with the Kushner Schools uh, happening this coming Sunday night. You can go to the uh, Kushner Schools website to get information about the Atid Society and about Sunday night's event. Friday morning, we'll bench Rosh Chodesh Kislev this Shabbos, Thursday and Friday, Thanksgiving and the day after Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving Friday will be the... Um, will be the... Why am I, I don't know, we're downloading stuff to play, and for some reason, the songs that we're downloading are not the ones that are popping up. Here we go. Um, yeah, so Thursday and Friday, Thanksgiving and the day after Thanksgiving will be Rosh Chodesh. Keep that in mind for tomorrow. More coming up, including Malcolm Honline. He's executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Lots of news this week. Malcolm Honline coming up in just a few minutes with the weekly update right here at JM in the AM.
J.M. and the A.M. <clears throat> Brand new from Simcha Liner that's called Lecha. Candle lighting at 413 here in New York. We get set for Shabbat Chaye Sarah. A big hello to those who are in Hebron. We just spoke a minute ago to some of our listeners who are literally on the way from Yerushalayim to Hebron. Yeah, it's getting close there. <laughs> Candle lighting, I believe, is 401 in Yerushalayim, so it's getting close. But uh, by the thousands, they're heading into the holy city for this very Special Shabbat. I want to thank our friends at JewishWorldReview.com. If you want to print out thousands, all right, at least hundreds, but maybe even thousands of articles before Shabbos and check out some of the things written recently about Israel and the Jewish world, go to JewishWorldReview.com, JewishWorldReview.com, and enjoy. A note about next week's programming, Dr. Mayor Abitan is going to be in studio Tuesday at JM in the AM. Uh, spoke with him and... Um, he uh, informed me that uh, he, as one of the world's most amazing heart surgeons, is doing a lot less heart surgeries than um, than in the recent past. And not because he's getting older or anything like that, but because of a very interesting approach that now is being taken uh, regarding heart disease. I think it's something important to address in our uh, to our audience, and we will address it this coming Tuesday with Dr. Mayor Abitan live in studio here at JM in the AM. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, joins us for the weekly update here on a JM in the AM broadcast. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Always a pleasure. Uh, Shabbos Mavarchim, Chayisara. Yeah, boy. All good things How is Baku? compared to the rest of the world. How is Baku? It was quite amazing, I have to say, and I regret that um, my flight was delayed coming back, so I didn't make it back Friday morning in time, but Baruch Hashem made it back in time and got to Fifth Avenue Synagogue for my Friday night speech and Saturday night at Young Israel in the Woodmere on the Begin Project and all of the others. But the, the amazing thing was there were Muslim leaders from 100 countries and Christian leaders from the Vatican, the, the Christian the head of the Russian Orthodox Church, the Greek Orthodox Church, there were leaders from Turkey and Iran, and nobody got up and walked out. I was one of the first speakers, which shocked me because I was sitting back relaxing, and all of a sudden the guy said, you're on. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, I, and I spoke about anti-Semitism. I gave him a really tough speech about how hate destroys societies and those who use extreme ideologies or hide behind religious extremist views. And... And I got a really significant applause. And Rav Amar was there, the former chief rabbi, and now the chief rabbi of Yerushalayim. And he was introduced as the chief rabbi of Quds. Ooh. No, that well, it was in Arabic. Was, right. Yeah, I'm saying that, that's, and, that's the name for Jerusalem, right? And nobody walked out. He, he gave a beautiful spiritual message. Interesting. It was, and both he and I were put in the front row. They, they do what they call a family photo of all of these people. And they're taking this, these Muslim imams, and I mean, sheikhs and, and leaders, and pushing them up on the second and third fourth thing. And the two of us were in the front row right next to the president of, of Azerbaijan. So it's really, it was such a positive thing in a negative week to see and to see how after the speeches they came to take selfies with us and to take pictures. And uh, and it was on the front page of the uh, Azari newspapers, a picture of, of my meeting with the president and described what, what we talked about. So, you know, you can walk with the Yarmulke in Baku, yep. but you can't walk with the Yarmulke in Berlin, London, or Paris. 
that's a really important uh, thing to note. In addition, as I considered where on this globe to start this conversation uh, this week, because there's so much going on, and obviously the Israel stuff is piquing everyone's interest, um, you've mentioned, I mean, obviously you just brought up the topic of anti-Semitism. I'm fascinated, by the way, your description of that whole presentation. Um, we know what happened in Rockland County, I guess is a big question mark still as to the motive, etc. I'm sure you saw the video from York University. Um, it, it, can you tell us anything reassuring about the, about what's happening with anti-Semitic episodes in this country? First of all, in anti-Semitism generally, they, uh, there was a landmark report from the Church of England this week, I don't know if you saw it, that said that centuries of Christian anti-Semitism led to the Holocaust. And the, the document, which is really quite remarkable because it took three years to, to prepare, and it's the first time the Church of England has made an authoritative statement on the subject of anti-Semitism. And it said that Christian attitudes toward Judaism have provided a fertile seedbed I think was the term they used for murderous anti-Semitism, and that um, and that a similar hatred of Jews continues today within the political discourse by pro-Palestinian advocates. This is the Church of England. We've also seen uh, recognition of the issue of anti-Semitism in a number of forms in in uh, the past week, but at the same time, the FBI statistics that came out are very disturbing and show a sharp increase in continued um, disproportionate, meaning more than half of the incidents of hate crimes are against Jews. In fact, Islamophobia has decreased, and although everybody wants to equate uh, all of the, uh, the actions against uh, Muslims and Jews, it is not true. And the, the incident, the terrible incident in Rockland County, the um, others around the country that, that we have not all lead to a stabbing, but harassment, swastikas, physical violence. It's, um, you know, that's why that, that the treatment and the welcome in Baku stood out in such oh, dark relief. For sure. We need one of those conferences this. here, <laughs> frankly. And the and uh, I think you know I, I've talked for how many years about the problem, and I know people said, "Oh, it's negative. You're, you're bringing up an issue. You know, it makes them uncomfortable." When I talked about some of these issues for ten years, twelve years, because this was all building, you could see it. You could see it happening. And now, when you go wherever you go in the country, I mean, virtually everywhere, we see these expressions of uh, of anti-Semitism. The numbers that are coming out in, in France, I think a 78% increase in anti-Semitic attacks in, in uh, Argentina, 100% increase in other places. I mean, it's global. It's a pandemic. And people better wake up to it and, and realize that, hey, we've got to educate our kids. We've got to do more to protect our, our schools and schools. We have to demand that there be zero tolerance. I want to see all the resources sent to federal and state and local resources applied. And I know the sheriff in, in Rockland County warned me months ago and said things are building up. They recognized it. But we have to see that those who are responsible, nobody gets off with any more with a slap on the wrist, that the judiciary has to take it more seriously. And in every element that the Internet companies have to be held to account, this has to be a total war against anti-Semitism well, and Jew hatred. But before we even you know speak about social media, uh, you know, on the streets of this country, we'll take the U.S. just for a moment. I, I mean, it is, and you mentioned the harassment, and it's frightening, and and people are being harassed literally, and eggs are being thrown, and windows are being broken, and schools and schools are being targeted, 
And I know that I sound like an alarmist, and those not familiar with this area may think, oh my gosh, what's happening there? But you get my point. It's happening way too often. I I have said, and I, I would assume you agree, that you know our safety our safety and the and the uh, the um, implementation of zero tolerance is all up to the government officials and in our case the NYPD but police forces around the country doesn't it almost come down to you know as simple as that that you know unless government officials and the local police forces demonstrate that zero tolerance then kids and adults who want to do these things whether it's you know for fun or for you know purely to harass are going to keep getting away with it well, the answer is, of course, you're right, but the New York Police Department is actually very responsive on it, and the city appointed a special coordinator. But the question is, what resources, what do we do in the Board of Ed? What are, what are we demanding of every principal to report every incident and what they're doing to teach tolerance and to, to, to make it clear that this is unacceptable? What are we doing to check the textbooks? What are we doing to find out what is being preached in mosques? And and I saw a, a report that one in ten uh, Christian churches pastors are, are make anti-Semitic uh, comments. The, the, the every element of society, the entertainment sector, cultural, business, all of them have to be held to account. And you know, because somebody happens to be Jewish and is involved in some event, and not even then playing a negative role, but there could be a negative event or something. It always becomes then a blanket accusation. It does not true of any other group right. that they accuse the whole group when an individual is involved. And I think that um, that you know we have to hold the media particularly to account. You know, with the the, the incidents that take place, you see that the the, the major media hardly covers when uh, all the demonstrations in Iran, all of the things that. that, by, that by, by the way, did you notice? That because this week it actually got some coverage, and, minimal, and, and minimal, but it got some, and I think it's because of the economic angle to it. Once prices went up, I think it was something that the media felt Americans could relate to in terms of why they're taking it to the streets. But there were demonstrations in more than a hundred cities. This was bigger than the Green Revolution. We speak to the people in Iran every day, and they say, "Where is the coverage? Where is the outcry? Where is the response?" And the the courageous. Things that they're doing, putting their lives on the line, marching and saying, "We will not die for Gaza. We will not die for Lebanon. We will die for Iran," and and spreading across the country, and that they're bringing in the Basij and the the um, militias, the Pakistani and Afghani and others, whom they have in in Iraq and that Iran has in Iraq and Syria are come are being brought in because the locals won't challenge the people. More than three hundred people, our sources say, have been killed. Where's the, where does that reflect it? Israel gets bashed if one guy who's carrying out a, who posed a terror threat is hurt or, or, or killed. You hear, don't hear the end of it. But here, 300 people can get killed, thousands arrested, and, and the threats against everyone. They have not reinstated the, the Internet, as they said. It, was, it reached about 8% of the people yesterday. They cut them off. I'm surprised it's available to anybody, frankly. Well, it wasn't. It was shut off completely. It was all the business. But remember, banks and others can't do business right, when, when all the Internet is shut off. Good point. Right. Today, everybody's dependent on it. Right. So it, it, it doesn't end uh, in, 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 with that. And, and look at, if we can, just for a minute, on the, right. because we're talking about Iran, it's a great um, case study 
of, of why we complain about the distortion and why we, we uh, the threatening language. They threatened to hang the protesters. This is in the Kahn newspaper. Now, everybody who covers Iran would know this, and yet they don't talk about it. And they, the, uh, uh, this week, the IEA found that they had exceeded the heavy water, which is 130 tons. It was a limit, and they're way over it, considerably over it. But more than that, of all the violations of the JCPOA and that the European Union now is found in a bind because on the one hand they defend the, the, the Iran deal, and on the other hand they have to protest these violations because the Iranians are saying it. They're announcing it. They're not letting the inspectors in. They, they, um, uh, America said they would end the exemptions on the Fordo reactor, which allowed countries to, to help it because it was supposed to divert it into peaceful purposes. And everybody realizes they're using all of these facilities to develop their nuclear nuclear power. This should be front page headlines because the potential threat of it is is very extensive. The 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 number of missiles, what they, they've developed in terms of the guidance systems, which I've talked about here in a long time and I know it's technical, but people have to understand this poses a direct threat to Israel's existence because 150,000 missiles in Hezbollah's hands in Lebanon get outfitted, a percentage of them, with these guidance systems that can target Domona, that can target cities, that can target Haifa and, and Tel Aviv. And, and, and we saw in Saudi Arabia that they're working because they hit dead center on every target. So we have on, on several fronts, you have Iran increasingly posing a threat to the region, it's why all the other countries in the region get it. The, uh, and the United States has been strong. The sanctions really do work, and we see that they're working. But the, the Europeans continue the policy of appeasement of the past, and the, uh, and the demonstrations in Iraq and in Lebanon are by Shiites against the Shiite Iranian uh, government and their presence in their countries. And although they've cracked down and they are, the Iranians are cracking down on all of this, it still continues. We know that demonstrations are still going on. We'll have to see after the Friday services today what happens, that um, Iran is escalating the threat all the time. And the it was shooting of the four rockets this week and Israel's strong retaliation because they have to. They have to retaliate if to, to stop it, to show Iran that they can't get away with it. Unfortunately, the West has let them get away with all of these provocations and attacks, whether it's on Saudi Arabia or shooting down our drone. And if I sound like I feel strongly, it is because these are critical. These are, are long-term things. It's not just a passing headline, and whether it got coverage or not. This is about the future of the region, the future of the world. And we are failing to test again. As usual, unfortunately, it's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored digital radio around the world, the web, and AlchemSegal.com and the AlchemSegal Network, and of course, in the beloved NSN app. I remind everybody that uh, we ask you to continue to support us. Our end of year campaign is in full swing. If you enjoy segments like these, join many guests and regulars who uh, of ours who are supporters of ours and um, put their money where their mouth is to keep our amazing programming going every single day. Go to fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org fjbunity.org, and we thank you. We, we may get back to Iran. There are so many things to discuss. We'll see what kind of time we have left. But, of course, this audience is very anxious, as you would imagine, to discuss what's going on uh, in Israel. Before we do the indictments, let's just talk about the third election. I mean, they just couldn't get it done. 
And if I asked you, Malcolm, to analyze why they couldn't get it done, what's the core reason? Because the, the outcomes of the elections, uh, given the list system and the nature of it's not a two-party system or a three-party system, um, just lends itself to having these kind of, uh, hanging uh, results. And it's not only there. It can happen in Europe, England, other places. Right. You can even have minority governments in most countries. In Israel, they've had it, but it's much harder. And here, the differences, first of all, became very personal over Bibi and, and Gans, uh, between Lapid and, and the Lieberman's role against the Haredim and against others. Uh, very unfortunate for, for many reasons. At a time when Israel should be coming together, and we see that these deep uh, divisions uh, emerge, I think that it's still possible that you will get some sort of a compromise uh, government out of uh, in, in this the three-week period that began this week uh, after Bibi tried, then Gans tried. They ran the clock out. Now it's three weeks before Rivlin has to call a new election, the President and, Rivlin. And it's open to any member of Knesset, including the two major uh, uh, parties, meaning that Netanyahu, right. in theory, could form a government still. He could, and the Arabs could, and others could. Right. Uh, but obviously it's, it's not likely. There are all sorts of formulas that are being, or, or splits within parties that are being projected. Uh, I don't see that happening now. Uh, I do think that the, uh, Netanyahu has really imposed um, discipline on the Likud, uh, although Gidon Sar this week obviously came out and indicated that he would be prepared to succeed him. Um, but I don't think that the Likud will vote to oust him, even with the result of the indictment, because a regular minister has to resign. That's why Bibi had to give up all his other right. uh, portfolios. A prime minister doesn't, because a minister can come back. You know, if he right. gets exonerated, then right. he can come back. A right. prime minister, once he's out, he can't come back. All right. Uh, first, the timing of the indictments. What do you think of uh, of uh, Mandelblit doing this on day one of this twenty-one day period? I don't think it's related. I think Mandelblit is a tremendously honorable person. I know him well. He's he's in a BB appointee, and it was very close to BB. You notice that BB said that he was under a lot of pressure. He did not accuse him, per se. He did say some things before, but, but I think he was more careful in his remarks because I think he, he, um, they were very deliberate. This went for a long time. He kept postponing it. He didn't do it during the time of the negotiations of the parties, but once the negotiations ended, there was no reason not to, to move ahead. And again, it's probably not till May or June till the actual indictments take place. Um, and if likely that there will be an election, it'll probably be mid-March. And the uh, so Netanyahu can stay as the head of Likud through through this time. Obviously, there'll be a lot of voices calling for him to step down. Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't. I mean, you know, e but the, I, but but it's on Mandelblit. Right. No, that he, if people even in the Likud have have reiterated in the last twenty four hours that he's an honorable guy. He did not do this for political purposes. He um, see, I don't know if you want him to step down, but wouldn't you agree to an extent that that I mean, enough is enough at this point. There's no choice but for the good of the country moving forward that he step down, or or, or or I shouldn't make such a drastic statement. Look, I think I think a person is entitled, including a prime minister, to his day in court. The conviction, I mean, the charge of bribery to me is very serious. Had been the other charges, just fraud and uh, just fraud, but uh, Breach of, uh, it would have been much less serious. Bribery is, is something, and people in Israel don't believe that whatever faults he has, that he's corrupt. 
and you know whether this certainly on the cigars and champagne there would be no public support for something if they can show that it, it and obviously the conclusions uh, of a police investigation of a prime minister have to be very conclusive it can't be something where they lose in court because it'll be so humiliating and so negative so they have to be pretty sure of the charges that they that they can bring and they done such extensive work uh, on it that um, uh, and the public is just tired they don't want to go to another election and I don't believe and that's why I still have hope that in the last week of these three weeks we'll get a deal that they don't want to face an angry electorate I think Lieberman will get burnt badly by it because they blame him but they may take it out on everybody and people are tired it's expensive it's it's draining to go through three elections in a year this is not what they meant. Um, there are those who conjecture that if there would be a third election, let's say now, uh, people who normally vote for smaller parties would drift toward the larger ones. Again, you know, fearing it's the only way they can make a difference and break this deadlock, frankly. Uh, number one, do you agree with that? And number two, in light of the indictments, would you assume then that Gans has, that if that happens, if that's the philosophy of the country, so to speak, that Gantz has an unbelievable advantage going into the third election. He may have an advantage. I'm not sure that the blue and white party has the same advantage. One, two, that you can't predict what Israeli voters will do, because we know they tell the truth to pollsters and then lie at the polls consistently, and and that's why the predictions are generally off. They're very independent, and when you go in and you're, you cast a ballot in Israel, everybody knows how serious, how important the decisions, that decision is, and who will run the country. And because the, the ideological division, which is happening here now, too, is so stark that it's, it's becomes people choose a side. So I don't know that how it will play out. I, don't know, I haven't seen any predictions about that. And a lot will depend on what happens in term. I mean, given the escalation of some of the problems that Israel faces, Will people want somebody solid and, and go with uh, one party or see that uh, Gantz is also a former chief of staff? Right. It's hard to predict. On the topic of the substance of the charges, Caroline Glick writes, the charge that Netanyahu accepted a bribe is based on an invented notion that positive media coverage of a politician is bribery. The notion that press coverage can be considered bribery exists nowhere in the democratic world. No prosecutor in the world has ever indicted or investigated a politician or media organization of having committed bribery involving the provision of positive coverage. Senior American jurist appeared before Mandelblit in Netanyahu's pre-indictment hearing to warn him that pursuing bribery charges against politicians for receiving positive coverage is a recipe for destroying freedom of the press and democracy itself. By the way, she also points out that he never even got that positive coverage. You know, He never, he never got what he supposedly bribed for. <laughs> Uh, well, not, but 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 funny, and I'm not saying that you know Caroline Glick's more you know her analysis is any better than yours. But clearly, you disagree with her. You feel that bribery, even if it is this questionable or you know the you know something that the that the jurists you know debate, nonetheless, that scares you to most of all of these. No, I respect her greatly. I think her analysis is generally on target. I, I did not disagree. I, I'm saying to you that the charge itself, like right. not arguing what the substance is, right? Just the word. That just that the word about. is out there. Just but the charge. There is a different quality. It's a much more serious for the Israeli people, and I think generally, than 
you know, the charge just that, that um, of some misconduct or something, you know, a rap on the knuckles type charge. And they have to prove it yet. And, and as I said, he, he, you can't assume that he's guilty until he's proven to be guilty. This is a charge. This is a conclusion of an investigation. Often, and the police in Israel have been proven wrong, and, court and, and uh, juries have exonerated people who were brought right. before them. Right. So we should not jump to conclusions that of, of the, the guilt or innocence. But it's an embarrassment to the country. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it is disabling. And then, you know, you see the prime minister's face. You see what a, a toll it takes. Yep. And on the other hand, you want them to be held to a high standard. And unfortunately, we've had others, president, former prime minister, others who have gone to jail. And it sends a message that nobody is above the law. Did you feel Bibi's reaction was a little too strong in terms of, not really uh well it's it sounded like he was attacking both the system and those responsible for the system he did and and uh, one can understand it he he uh he feels that he's been persecuted and pursued and and as you know they've gone after him and his wife and others uh, relentlessly um you know the media's job is to to do it but they have to do it in an unbiased way and it's hard to paint the much of the israeli media as unbiased right uh, but you know, this is it's his right to to defend himself and to react. But at the same time, you know, he has to. He's running the country. He's got <clears throat> the unrest in Lebanon, the unrest in and in, in the missiles that that were fired from Syria and from Gaza. Right. I mean, he has real issues to contend with. Uh, all right, we'll get to Pompeo in a minute as I try to keep up with the demands of the emailers. Want us to get to specific subjects, but I, I just need your help with some condemnation for a moment. You. You, you said a few minutes ago on the air about the uh, targeted killing of the uh, of the terrorist. Obviously, this, we didn't speak last week, so this is news from the week before, uh, the, from last week, not this week. Um, and, and and I think anybody listening knows what happens, what happened, of course, and how Israel took him out. And thank God that they did. Uh, yet you do see reaction from around the world, including people in our community, Malcolm, including people who are, identify themselves as members of the Jewish community who questioned, was it necessary to do this? Some of whom are saying, I don't know if you saw this or not, are literally saying Kaddish or suggesting people say Kaddish for this enemy of Israel. What's your reaction to that? Uh, the people saying Kaddish for somebody who launched countless missiles against innocent civilians is obscene. But the, the um, you know, people can judge and second-guess any decision. But the truth is that when you cut off the head of the snake, yep. it does affect what happens to the snake. And while the people will say, well, the, the going after him uh, brought about the, the couple hundred rockets that were fired, he, these rockets would have largely been fired over time anyway, whether it's at night or that weekend or later. And the, the truth is that when you eliminate the leadership, it's hard for them to replace them. And he, he became a symbol of 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 the terrorist resistance, and you notice how Hamas stayed out of this. They didn't get involved, right? And and were sidelined through, and continued to be throughout this because they felt that they were undermining not only Hamas's leadership but the stability of the region. They would, when there would be a ceasefire, he would order that missiles be fired. So eliminating him. Whether, again, it's, there's military strategy and decisions and all that, which we can't second-gaze because we don't have the full information. But they've been monitoring for a long time. They took the opportunity where it could do minimal 
damage, uh, collateral damage, and 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 removed him. If they could remove Nasrallah, if they could remove others, you know, I'm sure that that opportunity would not be passed up either, because it does change things. It does send a message, and and no leader, nobody who threatens Jews or Israel, feel that they can do it with impunity. That there isn't a consequence. And whether it's a legal process in, in the countries or whether for terrorists that they will be hunted down, they have to know that there is a consequence and a price to pay. That's the only way you stop them. They only understand the language of strength. And that is proven true whether it's dealing with the Iranian leaders or the situation in Iraq uh, or, or elsewhere, even now the Bolivian situation, mm-hmm. which is really a, a significant development. And now I find out how far Iran had integrated, infiltrated the government, how ministers were working with them, and how they are today trying to bring Morales back. And, uh, and of course, if, if they can show that the Bolivia revolution works and they have a, nice, a good election to follow up, a democratic election in government, Venezuela won't be far behind. And, the whole, and the, the, um, if, if in Lebanon, the people are demanding, and it's the Shiites, not the Sunnis, who are demanding and protesting against the, the Hezbollah, against the presence of Iranian militia, and don't want a war because they know the price that they will pay. They can't, can make a difference. You know, last week I was at the Auschwitz exhibit, and obviously they give a comprehensive history of the years before the actual... Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, the, the, uh, the political infiltration of a, uh, of a um, you know, powerful government, or at least a government that, that, that tries to act powerfully, is, I mean, it's the, same, it's the same exact system. It's, a, it's, it's, it's a repeat of what happened under Hitler in the 1930s in terms of trying to take over an entire region. And he won elections. Right. And he, and he had support. And, and people don't realize that, that it goes back to the early 30s. And it didn't start in 38 with Kristallnacht uh, on November 9th, or, you know, that the persecution of Jews, Jews were imprisoned in concentration camps five years earlier, four years earlier. So you're right. People, we learn from the lessons history. It's not because it's identical. It's never identical. But right. it is, there are trends. There are lessons you learn from history. You look at the sites. And I tell people all the time now, just ask any survivor what they see today, what they smell, what they hear, and you'll get your answer about where we are. We'll get to Pompeo in a second. On the NSN app, somebody who has close ties to Iran writes, Malcolm, this week was the worst so far in Iran. Hundreds were killed. Thousands were injured. Family, in reference to her family, family has to stay indoors because it was very dangerous. It's absolutely true. Uh, I, I keep very close tabs on what's going on inside the country through, as you remember, when I coordinated the effort for the Iran 13, we established relationships with a lot of people. There are also Iranian expats, not Jewish, who are very, very supportive. And, there are, and of course, there are Jews here who still have family there. Right. And we, we stay on top of it because the information is so important, and we, we try to communicate and um, be a voice because what, what the demonstrators are looking for is a resonance in the West, that they put their lives on the line, they want to hear that America cares, that the Europeans care, that the world cares, that it's not, and not ignoring them. They, they want the Internet uh, service, which can be provided through machines and stuff, just too technical for me to understand or to explain, but I know what they, what they want and what they need. And they're absolutely right. Hundreds of people get killed. And then they say, well, where is everybody? And in a in hundred cities, including small cities, and also all along, you know, in the Azeri section, 
There are 30 million Azeris in, in Iran. Half the population is not Farsi. They're not Iranian. They're Baluchis and Azeris. And on the football games on Saturdays, they were taking down the Iranian flags and putting up the Azeri flag and yelling death to the dictator. And you don't hear them yelling death to Israel and death to America. Boy, oh boy. The headline reads, Pompeo announces reversal of longstanding U.S. policy on Israeli settlements. Is that headline accurate? And if yes, what's the new policy? Well, it is in in a sense, but there was uh, U.S. policy uh, under President Reagan was changed also, where they simply declared that the settlements under international law are not illegal. That's it. There's nothing that changes on the ground. There's nothing that um, precludes, as they, those who oppose it, that it would uh, uh, final status negotiations. There are people who are critical of the move, maybe they felt the timing, whatever, but the fact is that there was no sovereign there. The last sovereign was the Ottomans, so you can't have the application of of illegality right. when there was no legal authority. That that's one. And the, I mean, you can go through all the legal arguments. People can uh, read it, but at the, um, you know, that resolution two four two doesn't mention the word Palestine anywhere. Nor does it call on Israel to withdraw to the six-day war lines, which is what the opponents are saying, and and it doesn't stipulate that uh, Judea and Samaria should be free of Jews. So, what the recent U.S. move did does not have to undermine peace. It's uh, of necessity. It's not. Uh, it can be interpreted by some people, and and they oppose it. The UN Security Council, fourteen to zero the European Union, but it's the same European Union that now wants to label products that come out of Yudin Shomron. They're not labeling products in any other disputed territory. So their credibility and their, their um, uh, credence to do to come out with these declarations is, uh, is very limited. So, you know, the, the, um, the declaration uh, and, and of the, by the, um, the EU and everybody that they are illegal that undermines negotiations because you've essentially precluded negotiations because you've determined already their, their status. So I think that the um, you know that uh, I don't think it was a political move. I think it was something that they had studied for a long time and that they uh, came out with um, because of the you know that it, it, it is a statement that opens up, I think, opportunities for negotiations. And the Palestinians have to understand that they can't keep stonewalling. They can't keep, you know, demanding and making declarations, but not be ready to come to the table to talk. Right. Uh, unfortunately, I'm going to wrap up with a, uh, a painful um, uh, question, but again, one that uh, too many people ask that we at least ask you about. And if you want to pass on it, I certainly understand. But um, uh, it, it is... Uh, uh, do you agree at least that it is a legitimate position uh, among Israelis um, when they see noticeably observant Jews uh, chant and come out with uh, BDS-like statements about the state of Israel? No, not just Israelis. Every Jew, every American Jew, everybody ought to be outraged and declare those views, and when they give succor to the Iranians, to the every terrorist under the war, uh, under the sun, when they come out with, and you know, even Mahal Shabbos at times to do these uh, anti-Israel demonstrations and manifestations, 
There is no justification. You've got to think about what the world sees. And if you think they make a distinction between the Zionists and other Jews, you're making, they're making a fundamental mistake. So it's about their security, everybody's security as well. But some groups who are not as radical as the one you're addressing uh, are also being accused of acting in a BDS-like fashion. Anybody who supports BDS doesn't understand that this is exactly the boycotts of Jewish businesses from the 30s, that this is in itself anti-Semitism, because it's not based on a policy. You can disagree, and you can even say that, uh, that you don't believe that there should be a state at this time. We have to wait for Mashiach. People can have an ideological position, and, uh, and it's a subject for a much longer discussion, because right. I have had these discussions with, with people involved. Uh, but when you publicly undermine and you, you declare that you're associating yourself with the enemies of Israel and the Jewish people, because the Iranians may welcome them because they say anti-Israel things or applaud some of the groups that make uh, statements. They don't have to support every decision of the government of Israel. They can uh, be opposed to a lot of things in Israel, but do it responsibly, do it intelligently. And that's not what's happening. You have, have uh, very blanket and uh, dangerous statements being made. I appreciate that. Well said. Thank you very much for joining us. Have a wonderful Shabbos, and we'll announce whether uh, Thanksgiving weekend we will spend some time together or not. We'll figure it out, and have a wonderful Shabbos, and thank you. Okay, good Shabbos. There he is, Malcolm Honline, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Weekly updates Friday here at JMNAM. Whether there will be one next week or not, we'll certainly let everyone know during the week once uh, everyone's Thanksgiving weekend plans are uh, set. Erev Shabbos Parshas Chayisara with candle lighting at 4.13. We bench Rosh Chodesh Kislev, Rosh Chodesh Kislev Thursday and Friday, Thanksgiving, and Friday of Thanksgiving next week, believe it or not. Um, this time each and every Friday, every Erev Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Yudin, spiritual leader of Congregation Shomri Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address, uh, spiritual leader emeritus Congregation Shomri Torah, Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Nachum. Good Arab Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Chaye Sorah. Parshas Chaye Sorah can be conveniently divided into three parts. The first 20 psukim deal with the acquisition of a burial plot for Sora Imenu, and teaching us the very important concept that a Jew is to live as a Jew, he dies and he's buried as a Jew. And one could have made the mistake to think that what's the difference? Once you're dead, you're dead. But the answer is no. The Jew believes, as the Rambam taught, with complete and perfect and total faith, that there's going to be a Mashiach, that there's going to be the 13th Anima Min Trias HaMesim. There's going to be the recitation of the dead. And this is something afforded to the Jewish people, and therefore one is to be buried among his own. The next 67 psukim, amazing, the amount of space 
that the Torah affords to record the details of acquiring a bride for Yitzchak. And finally, the third part of the parsha deals with the passing of Avram Avinu. I'd like to focus this morning on the Eved Avraham. Interestingly, the name Eliezer does not appear once in the parsha. He's referred to as Ho'eved, the servant or the servant of Avraham. He comes to a strange place a thousand miles away from where he was in Canaan. He's now in Aram Naraim and he comes to the well and he makes a condition with Hashem. Hashem, you want to help Avram. I don't know anybody here, so let's work with the following. The girl who will come at this time, the time when people came to draw water from the well, the girl that I will approach and ask for a little water, and she will respond by graciously giving me some water and then offering to draw and water all of my camels, that is the girl that you will choose for Yitzchak. So the first thing, interestingly, is that Eliezer uses as the criteria not theology. He's not going to stop a girl and say, excuse me, do you believe in God? Do you believe in idolatry? No. The test is going to be one of character. Does she have a good, generous nature or not? Interestingly, the Drushos Horan picks up on this and says, from here we learn a very important principle that character or one's midos are even more important than one's deos, one's thinking and theology. Because if a person has good character, you can teach them the right and proper theological ideas, the foolishness of idolatry, as opposed to if someone has bad character, it's very hard to change their nature. And so what happens? The Torah tells us that Eliezer had just finished reciting his condition with Hashem when Rivka appears on the center stage. He asks her for some water. She responds positively and he um, and she draws for all of his 
Gemalim. Now watch. I like to focus on Pasuk 21 in chapter 24, whereby the Torah tells us, Ish And we're going to use the commentary of the Sapurno, which means that the man was astonished. What is he astonished about? Says the Sapurno, Arov Hazrizos, by the incredible alacrity, by her hurrying, Lasos Chesed to perform kindness, Macharish, he is silently absorbing and taking in this situation. Now, what does that mean that he is silent? So the Sapurno says, he doesn't say to her, Mamala, don't bother yourself so much. It's not necessary. After she's done three or four camels, he said, he could have said, that's enough, which would have been appropriate with what the Sapurno calls Chokamusar, the accepted norm of the day. You wouldn't usually expect a young girl to do all this work for a mature man and with ten other drivers just standing by and watching. But rather, why does he keep quiet? Lodaas, to see Eliezer, to understand by means of her actions, her kindness, her alacrity, if Hashem has been matzliach, listen carefully to his words, im hatov, if that which she is being doing is in accordance with the good, v'achesed hagomor, total chesed, a very powerful phrase, chesed hagomor, and if not, meaning that she's doing it, says the Sapurno, kolzel letikvas, in other words, what is Rivka's intent when she's finished? Is she waiting around for a tip, for a compliment, for a gift, or no? Not even that. Now, this idea that she's not waiting around even for a compliment, because I don't have to tell you, a compliment when we receive makes a person feel good. And even if you don't get that, Yashakoach, you don't get that thank you, you know yourself that you have done something good, and therefore, as a result of that, you have a good feeling about yourself. So Eliezer is seeing what is Rivka's reaction to all this, and he sees that we're dealing here with chesed hagomor. He's looking for this rather exceptional kind of um, chesed that Rivka is uh, doing. Now, the question is, why? Why is he using such a ultimate litmus test of this chesed hagomor. I'd like to suggest that just as in the case of Noah, who was building a new world order,
and amazing. The ark that Noah was saved therein had many, many miracles. Says the Ramban, really, one ark could not contain all the animals and the food. In fact, ten arks couldn't do it. So if there were so many miracles in the Teva, why couldn't there be one more of an automatic feeder, whereby Noah would feed the animals once a week, and throughout the week he'd be free, and automatically the animals would take by themselves each day. And an answer, say our rabbi so beautifully, is because the old world which was destroyed was destroyed because of Hamas. There was a breakdown of man to man. There was a breakdown of kindness man to man. And now, in rebuilding the new world, it had to be built on Olam Chesed Yibaneh, on a world of total kindness. And therefore, Noah had to be busy 24-7 with kindness. Similarly, Avram Avinu is establishing a new world. And in his new world as well, Avram is building his world on the Chesed HaGomor. Look in last week's parsha. Avram is doing all this Chesed. My goodness, for whom? For angels that don't eat and couldn't enjoy it. But from Avram's sake, there was complete and total altruism, and this was to be the way Avram did, and Rivka, if she was to be the successor to the home of Avram, she had to do Chesed HaGomor. Now, interestingly, in the Torah, there were two sources for Chesed. The first is the familiar, which the Ramban says, you really can't love your neighbor as yourself, but what it means is, be there for him. Be empathetic. And therefore, when you go to his wedding and you're there only because your wife knows the bride, dance with him, because you would want someone to dance with you at your wedding. When lo Elenu, someone's in the hospital, and someone is, God forbid, sitting shiva, go to them, because you would want company when you would be in that kind of a state. That is one level of doing kindness. And the second level is that which is found towards the end of the Torah, the 611th mitzvah, according to the Chinuch, which is the Olachto Bidrachov, that you are to walk in God's ways, that as He is just and kind and merciful, so must we be. And therefore, this is raising the bar to a much higher level, because Hashem is completely and totally altruistic in His kindness, not looking for any kind of a reward or recompense, etc., and so must we. And therefore, if a neighbor is out of work, I knock on his door, I give him an envelope with several hundred dollars. He certainly appreciates it. It's a chesed. But a bigger one would be if I would slip it under the door, run away, knock, and then he'll find it. And not knowing who the 
donor is, that's a higher level of tzedakah. As the Rambam writes in chapter 10 of Hilchos Matnos Aniyim, Halacha 7 through Halacha 14. Now, interestingly, the Chafetz Chaim takes the Gemara in Psachim Daf Nun, whereby the Gemara says that Li'olam, a person should conduct himself and do the study of Torah and the doing of mitzvos, even Shalolishma, not for its pure sake, because because of Lolishma, by doing it even not for the right reason, it'll come to Lishma, doing it for the right reason. The Chavetz Chaim applies this to the action and to the performance of Gemilus Chasadim. That when one does Gemilus Chasadim, they should ideally stop and say to themselves, when they lend money, I'm about to do the mitzvah of Imkesef Talveh. When you get somebody a job, stop and tell yourself you're about to do the mitzvah of Vechazaktobo. When you pay your debts on time, I'm about to do the mitzvah of Biyomo Titein Schoro. There's a beautiful rumor out there that Rev Rev Elyashiv, Sechet Sadik Levracha, when he opened up the door each day, and allowed the many, many, many people come to ask all different kinds of shyness of him, beforehand he would say to himself, I'm about to do the mitzvah of Gemilus Hasadim, of resolving these mitzvahs, uh, or resolving these problems on behalf of the many people that are coming my way. A very powerful parsha, the parsha of Chayisara, which teaches us that we are to grow, grow in our observance of mitzvos and grow in our observance of chesed. And so, how proud we are of coming from the stock that we come from, and that is not just gomlei chasodim, but gomlei chasodim hagomor, that strive for the ultimate in our relationships, not only man to God, but man to man. Shabbat Shalom to all.
J.M. in the A.M. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos. Avram Fried, of course, with Rachem. Well, Ben Shoshchodesh tomorrow. Shoshchodesh Kislev is Thursday and Friday. Candle lighting today at 413 in New York. Make sure you know when things start where you are. Uh, so we asked everybody out there to consider a donation to fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org. And thank God, all through the week, people have been coming through in our uh, 2019 end-of-year campaign. And I thank you very much. So our amazing friend, Seth Levitt, who, who all he does is find excuses to support our work. That's basically what Seth does. And when he has an opportunity to do something fun with us, has an opportunity to promote something with us, has an opportunity to support us with a charitable donation, uh, we'll always do it. And uh, sure enough, today, uh, just a few minutes ago, we got notice of a uh, 10 times high donation from Seth Levitt in honor of all the Abels and Hyman fans who enjoy listening to Nahum Siegel on JM and the AM as much as they enjoy A&H hot dog salami and sausages. Now, he's got something there. There are a lot of amazing people in this audience and beyond who love the A&H hot dog salami and sausages, and I would hope that at least that number love what we do here at JM and the AM. But I bring this up not only to thank Seth, I bring it up because uh, I, I meant to make a big deal about this, and actually yesterday during the live lunch, I apologized to the clients that I haven't made a big deal about it yet. Uh, in the Fleischig's magazine, uh, by the way, uh, if you go to Aaron's Casino Farms and there are none left, it's because I bought them all. But in the, in the Fleischig's magazine for November, on page 76, the clients have a great uh, two-page spread on Nahum Siegel's travel tips and a whole thing just about uh, travel in general, uh, you know, when we're on the road doing shows from different places, etc. And they ask a lot of good questions, including what my top Fleischig food is and all that. Anybody who knows me well won't be able to get will, – will certainly be able to guess that. But then they ask – uh, after a long time away, what is your favorite food to come home to? And I answered American hot dogs. And I'm, of course, dedicating that answer to Seth and everybody at A&H. I mean, maybe I should have been more specific and said A&H hot dogs. I don't know if the clients would have put in the name of a specific brand. Maybe. Who knows? Uh, but obviously, I had Seth in mind when I, uh, when I said that because he knows that I am uh, quite aware of countries around the world that wish they had A&H hot dogs. Uh, in their kosher sections of their stores. So yes, when I'm away, that is what I am. Uh, that's what I am missing. The A and H. Thank God, when Seth or anybody else is away, they don't have to miss JM in the AM because uh, there's an app that uh, provides our programming 24 hours a day, and you can hear us live from anywhere. Thank God for that. But uh, sometimes I got to get back from where I am in order to enjoy an A and H hot dog. And I know they're working on that. They're working on the uh, distribution to a lot of different places, which is amazing. Um, but anyway, that's what I said in the article, and I thought I'd point that out, uh, especially after Seth checked in with such a beautiful message this morning. Friday morning broadcast with candle lighting at 4.13 here at uh, in New York City as we broadcast at the Nahum Siegel Network. Naomi Nachman is coming up at 9 a.m. Naomi has a table for two with author Daniela Silver, artist and fashion consultant Elizabeth Sutton, uh, Moshe Bloch, uh, and Moshe Bloch, the co-founder of Meshuggah for Sushi, all three of them guests between 9 and 10. The Arab Shabbos Show with Mark Zamek brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. That's going to be happening, uh, that's going to be happening um, uh, at 10 o'clock Eastern time, uh, 1 o'clock for the uh, Harry Rothenberg video blog, 
After that, the Arab Shabbos music mix brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. And uh, obviously all that until candle lighting time um, here at JM and the AM. Uh, tomorrow, uh, here at uh, the Nahum Single Network, tomorrow night in Staten Island, Joey Newcomb is going to be performing at the new Springville Jewish Center beginning at 8 o'clock. This is one of his selections that he pl- that he introduced introduced to us this week when he visited us here at JM and the AM. Joey Newcomb, tomorrow night, 8 o'clock, new Springville Jewish Center, Staten Island. Here he is at JM and the AM. No, you don't have to be Breslau to be Besimcha. But you gotta be Besimcha to be Breslau. No, you don't have to be Breslau to be Besimcha. But you gotta be Besimcha to be a now you don't have to be Chabad to want Mashiach. Oh no, you don't, no, you don't, no, you don't. But you gotta want Mashiach to be a year. Now you don't have to be a Tzioyli to love Eretz Yisrael. But you gotta love Eretz Yisrael to be a year. Oh no, you don't have to be a Midbar to learn the Torah. Get the love,
From the NSN app, uh, happy birthday going out to um, Shamshin. Shamshin, happy 10th birthday from all of us here at JMNAM. And listener Leah, thank you very much for that compliment <laughs> regarding Shabbos and NSN. Uh, Leah's on the app with a great compliment. I thank everybody who's been commenting on the app. Don't forget you can support us by going to fjbunity.org. fjbunity.org. Give generously to our 2019 campaign. And I thank you. Time to say good Shabbos with Journeys at JMNAM.
Israel and Achimachem, our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite. America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio around the world and web at NachumSiegel.com, on the NachumSiegel Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. Plenty coming up over the weekend. Don't forget Avrami and Rabbi Eliezer's Wickly tomorrow night on JM uh, on, uh, on uh, <laughs> Saturday Night Siegel. Matis, 7 a.m. Eastern Time, live on Sunday morning with JM Sunday between 7 and 9 a.m. Uh, Monday, we're back, of course, between 6 and 9. Dr. Mayer Abitan. Dr. Mayer Abitan, a brilliant cardiac surgeon, is our guest live in studio Tuesday morning with some very, very important developments regarding uh, care of the heart. That'll be Tuesday. Dr. Mayer Abitan here at JM in the AM. Have a fabulous Shabbos, wonderful weekend. See you at the Ohel Gala, Bezrat Hashem. On Sunday night, hello to all the Shluchim who are in for the Chabad Shluchim Conference. Enjoy the Kinnis HaShluchim. And a big, big, big shout-out to Batsheva and Murray Halpern and everybody at the Atid Society. I hope Sunday night's a major, major success. Have a wonderful Shabbos, everybody. Great weekend. Till Monday, Nachum Segal reminding you, remember to pass, live the present, and trust the future.